Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another episode of FFS Another Brexit Podcast. I'm Amanda and I'm back. I'm Jason Arthur. I'm back. This is nice. This is nice. We're back. Screw the other two. I completely agree. I think the last show was probably terrible. Uh, apart from our lovely guest who we're really thankful came on. Who was the guest? <laughs> <laughs> the Deputy Leader of the Liberal Democrats, MEPs, Louisa Porritt. Okay. Good. Hey, got, got told that by our producer. Right, so in case you didn't know, we're here as usual to give you some different voices and opinions on the usual Brexit madness. And I mean, the word Brexit madness does not even feel enough. It's literally Tuesday and it does not even feel enough. I'm so tired. Oh my God, your shoulders have like slumped forward, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) So this week we have a special guest, presenter and comedian, Ed Petrie. Ed went viral on Twitter a couple of weeks ago after he posted a thread about the impact of Brexit on his family, his dual nationality family. So we're interested to hear what he has to say about that and actually hear from someone who has sadly felt the damaging impact of Brexit before it's even happened. Definitely. And for anyone listening who watched a lot of CBBC as a child may well recognise his voice. It'd be comforting. Maybe. You're looking at me like it won't be comforting. No, I just didn't watch CBBC, so I have literally no idea if it'll be comforting or not. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, what a week. Where do we even start? <laughs> Actually, let's not start in the UK, because the UK is madness. Let's start with you, Amanda, being in Austria, talking to European leaders about Brexit. How did that go? It was so nice. It was so nice not to be in the UK. Mm. It was nice for people to be like, I'm so sorry for what you're having to live <laughs> through. <laughs> Although the Austrian... Uh, like prime minister equivalent did literally kind of pity me to my face, which was just a bit awkward, but quite funny. But it was lovely and it was great. And they were all mega interested in what FFS are doing. They were constantly asking about young people and younger generations and students and what does the future hold for the United Kingdom, which obviously I couldn't really answer that question. Mm. But I could talk a bit about what we were doing. So, yeah. And then I landed in the UK and was crashing back down to earth with MPs, back in parliament and politics back in flames basically i feel like the picture i've seen the most on social media is that little dog on a chair whilst everything's on fire oh the like gif yeah yeah that's I mean, it's pretty I accurate yeah, yeah. <laughs> it also looks uh, a bit like the dog they've now taken into um 10 downing street for boris johnson haven't they oh wow this has taken a 
a dark twist. <laughs> no, not to burn. Oh my god! I thought that was what you were no. saying. Okay, all right. Okay. No, but I mean, whilst we're on the subject of our darling Prime Minister Boris mm. Johnson, one of the first kind of things that happened when I got back to the country was. Boris Johnson literally shutting down Parliament so that MPs can't prevent no deal, or he was trying to stop them from preventing no deal. As we speak, they are trying to prevent no deal. Mm. Yeah, it's mad. It's completely mad. This is what taking back control looks like. Yeah, it started. (laughs) Taking back control started with three men going to a castle in Scotland to get permission to shut down Parliament. Yeah. I feel so in control. That's crazy. Yeah, I feel really in control too. The thing that's also absurd about this is that he said in 2016, supposedly, that he would never resort to using the arcane gesture of proroguing parliament. And yet here we are. So I know. It does seem like they only want to fight for democracy when it actually like suits them. Like the People's yeah. Vote campaign is told by the kind of 2016 leave campaigners all the time that it's undemocratic to have a vote on the Brexit kind of final outcome. And yet apparently, apparently an unelected prime minister closing down the entire parliamentary system is fine. And yeah. it makes absolutely no sense. And we want more democracy. And they're the ones who suddenly want to stop it. Yeah, we're the un- undemocratic ones, the anti-democratic ones, whilst they shut down parliament. And we're not the only ones who are mad about it, which is comforting. Reassuring. Yeah, uh, there was an impromptu protest in Parliament Square that essentially shut down Westminster. I was going past it on the bus. But you didn't join the protest. I didn't join the protest, which I now feel very bad about. You but should. I was there in spirit, okay. supporting them. Don't say okay to me like that. Were you there? Yeah. Okay, that makes me feel bad. Anyway, there, there was a petition with millions of signatures on it. And it wasn't just in London. Protests were happening all over the country. So if Boris Johnson thinks that people are going to put up with this shit, I normally don't swear on podcast i feel like it's reached that stage though i feel like that word is legitimate then he's wrong because we're not going to put up with it indeed but i mean not only is boris johnson actually shut or tried to shut down parliament he's also threatened to deselect his own mps people from his own party if they vote in favor of legislation to try and prevent a no deal exit which is technically the position that was in their manifesto I know, and he's the one who keeps harking back to like respecting votes and stuff, clearly. Yeah. As with democracy, only when it works for him and his agenda. Yeah. Chaos. Chaos is what this is. And do you know what chaos I would have preferred? Oh, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, no, it's so lazy. Everyone does this on Twitter now. But I'm going to do it on this podcast because I haven't done it yet. I would have preferred chaos with Ed Miliband, Amanda. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, yeah, bonkers. So aside from all the drama in Parliament and in and around Parliament, uh, the People's Vote campaign have been in Newcastle for our latest Let Us Be Heard rally. And huge shout out, as always, to the phenomenal FFS speaker, Andrew Herridge, who gave a truly amazing speech, and to our very own Abby for being a wonderful host of the entire rally. She's all right, isn't she, Abby? I've heard she also prefers chaos with Ed Miliband. Just in case you were, <laughs> you were unaware... <laughs> Dear listener, she's nodding, but also all, all that she wants is <laughs> chaos with Ed Willabad. Nothing else. And a shout out to yourself, Amanda and Izzy, who did a, an incredible job representing FFS at the Big Tent Ideas Festival. We're everywhere at the moment. Oh, it was great. Everyone like a else virus. is having summer holidays, and FFS are like, no, hold our beers. We're just off as we are soon to Edinburgh, Bedfordshire, Newport, and then hold yourselves freshers so literally all across the uk it's gonna be great i can't wait i can't wait so as ever 
busy week ahead for FFS? One of the highlights of working in politics is that when politics goes like off the wall, so does your entire life. So that's mm. fun, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We obviously don't know what's really going to happen, but there are some certainties. Yeah, so we do know the Commons are going to try and debate legislation to try and stop No Deal, and that's literally happening right now mm. as we talk, which is great when you're doing a podcast that's released 24 hours after you've recorded. But anyway, so we know that that's happening, and it looks like it might kind of go our way, i.e. they might be able to prevent No Deal, even with all the kind of ridiculous threats of deselection and all this kind of stuff that's been thrown around by Boris Johnson and his unelected advisors. Yeah, and then if that happens... Then all the talk is of him going for vote of no confidence and general election, right? Yeah, which would be truly delightful, as everyone can tell from the tone of our voices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your take on Labour? What should Labour do? In a general election? No, if, so Boris says, I want a general election because you guys won't allow me to keep no deal on the table. What does Labour do, in your view? What should I mean, they do? I think... It's the absolute goals, right, is they say no, and then somehow we get around to kind of voting on a referendum because this is a one-issue moment and we might as well have a referendum on, like, the one issue yeah. rather than a general election where we already know people are going about very worthwhile topics, crime, immigration, NHS, etc. I think what they will do is probably vote for it. and Corbyn will say, our time has come, general election, here we, here we, here we fucking go. Uh, there'll be several Labour MPs. That feels like a mistake <laughs> if Corbyn does that. Well, it, it depends how you look at it. Because also, you know, I think there are some places where Labour are not going to do well. You know, RIP Scotland for the Labour Party up there. Mm. But there are some places where they think they think they might do well. I think they've finally potentially kind of realised if they put an unequivocal commitment to a referendum with an option to remain in their manifesto, then they might do all right. I think they also feel a bit like they've spent three years shouting from every rooftop possible. Now's the time for a general election. So if they were suddenly like, oh, no, 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 now's, now's actually not quite the time no, for a credible. general election. Yeah, yeah, that's no, fair. It um, is also just a very risky approach, right? Because if they're wrong and being more unequivocal and remain doesn't win them more seats and actually the Tories do end up with a majority then we are, we are hurtling towards no deal even faster, right? I mean, yeah, 100%. There's lots of kind of like moving parts though. Like would an election be pre-October 31st? Would it actually be on October 14th as Downing Street are trying to brief, which is mm. part of anything, a Monday. So there's kind of lots of different moving parts. And I think mm. actually the Labour Party are going to have to make quite a quick decision and then really stick to it. But it does feel slightly like we're heading for a general election, which kind of hand in hands means we're heading for some quite large protests, I would yeah. suggest. Yeah, yeah. Fun. This is going to be great. So there are going to be lots of protests happening this week. FFS and People's Vote campaign are going to be right at the heart of it. Indeed. Wednesday evening, Parliament Square. And I know you pointed at me, but it's not me speaking this time. Our two legendary speakers is Hillary from Bristol Students Union and Rania, who is chair of Labour Students. Hillary and Rania, we look forward to hearing from you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Order! The Prime Minister will be aware that Podcast Live Politics will return to London on Saturday, October 5th. In, indeed, uh, I imagine uh, people in this house uh, will enjoy uh, seeing Chopper's Brexit podcast and the uh, Delling pod, uh, whilst the Honourable Gentleman will no doubt enjoy seeing polling politics uh, to see how badly he and his party are doing. Typical Tory bluster. I believe the Prime Minister would benefit from seeing the new European podcast, UK in a Changing Europe, and to think about Ian Dale and Jackie Smith's For the Many. Order! Whether the House wishes to see talking politics or escape Brexit with the week unwrapped, there will be plenty of room for everyone. Even the Liberal Democrats can see Never Mind the Bar Charts. And all of these podcasts are live in London on October 5th. Indeed, tickets are available now from podcastlive.com. Unlock! Today, we're really excited to have with us our special guest, Ed Petrie, a TV presenter and comedian who recently spoke out on Twitter about the impact Brexit has had on his life as someone with a dual nationality family. So thank you so much for joining us today, Ed. Thank you for having me here. I feel like I'm an imposter. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> you are not an imposter. <laughs> Absolutely not. You have every right to be here. Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, so the uh, question we ask all of our guests is to give an FFS award. So for someone or a group of people who have done something ridiculous in the context of Brexit, who would you give your award to? I'd actually, I'd like to give one. Well, it sounds kind of retro, but it isn't. I'd like to give one to David Cameron. Oh, nice. Because I, well, I heard his book's coming out next month. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that, that is bad timing, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about you and your book <laughs> at this moment in time. Please, please go back to your caravan. Then maybe get a helicopter to fly out and put it on oil rig for 10 years. Yeah. And then come back maybe after, just let things cool down for a decade or yeah. so. Yeah. We'll send you out some chlorinated chicken to eat in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. Sure, so I heard about his book. It was supposed to be released in March, but they didn't want to release it around the time when they thought 
we were going to be leaving. Yeah. So they, so, delayed so they were like, it. let's do it to October. Yeah, yeah, so they delayed it. But one, they've put it like the week before Tory conference. And that's a bit of like two fingers up to whoever was going to be PM at that conference at the time. Yeah. And two, we've still not left. <laughs> so yeah. it was a bit delay of like a bad again. Delay it yeah. again. Come on. I feel like he deserves that. If we keep like delaying, he shouldn't be allowed to release his book. That feels yeah. like at least some kind of like. Yeah. Or maybe just take the manuscript, go to Sellafield and throw it in that big hole yeah. with all the radioactive <laughs> stuff when you is, can't it, touch it, things for 10,000 years. I think it'll be fascinating though because he has kept very, very quiet, which obviously he should do because he's an idiot. Well, because every but, time he opens his mouth, apparently people shout at him. Yeah. He said in an interview that he's, he's on holiday in the sea swimming and, and someone will swim up call him a c**t and then swim away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would happily... <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to swear and now I dropped a C-bomb. Oh, no. Uh, I really hope that's true and I'd love to do that myself. I'm not even going to lie about that one. Yeah. What, just swim up to him and throw out the C-bomb? Yeah, why not? Sure. I forgot you don't swear on this. I so have, right, you can uh, no, well, Jason on this I one. fluctuate. Sometimes I don't swear and then I just lose my mind. Well, that's, yeah. the, that's the first time I've sworn since I've worked on Kiss TV. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> She's going to let it all out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> David Cameron said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so pretty good answer. I think we can all agree. That's a great quite, answer. quite like that one. I also yeah. I like a bit of retro things being thrown back slightly. Yeah. But um, so we kind of wanted to start, as someone who doesn't like work in politics, what does it look like? Like what is actually coming across about what is going on in Westminster right now? Uh, it's just going great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> swimmingly. Next question. Yeah. No, the thing is, I've always actually, I've always been interested in politics from a really early age. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, when I first started doing stand-up, I used to try and talk about it quite a bit. And I, and I very quickly learned that all my material that went down really well in London would not go down well at all when I was doing a gig <laughs> out in the countryside. Mm. And just to make my life easier, I gradually did less and less political stuff. And then, uh, then I ended up on Kids TV and so, I made a mistake. I can't remember which election it was. But I wrote a tweet that said, because uh, I used to have a puppet cactus called Outcho the Cactus. Yeah. And I wrote a tweet that said, remember, kids, every time someone votes Tory, Outcho cries. <laughs> <laughs> Did and you I, actually? Uh, yeah. And I, oh, and I got all these parents God. going, how dare you politicize my children? And I was like, oh, they've really got a point, actually. So, <laughs> so for a good 10, 12 years, I've just kept my mouth shut about these things. Yeah. Um, so I've been kind of watching from afar as, you know, the the country has spiralled into utter insanity. And as Outro has just been crying for the last yeah. 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's not been on TV for 10 years. Exactly. He's too distraught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to share his pain, but you can't. Otherwise you'll get yeah. But uh, yeah, and then I, and then I finally, because it does, it dire it's directly affected my life in a big way because I'm married to a, a French lady. French lady? A French lady from the yeah. Victorian <laughs> era. <laughs> a French woman. A French person. And uh, yeah, so I finally snapped a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, went a bit yeah. crazy on Twitter. Yeah, which got a lot of pickup. Explain explain your ranting on Twitter. That makes it sound like it wasn't legitimate. Your legitimate <laughs> anger on Twitter and what you were saying and the reaction to it. No, I think ranting is a good description, actually. Uh, yeah, well, I've always, I've always been someone who closely guards my privacy because I'm quite old. So... I'm not into that whole thing of like sharing your life on social media all the time. So I've never mentioned the fact that I'm married or I have kids or anything. I've always kept it quiet. Um, but I've just got so fed up with people saying to us, oh, you'll be all right, won't you? Oh, you'll be all right, won't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people just completely shocked that my wife would be in any way upset about what's been going on for the last three years or that it would have destabilized our lives in any way. So yeah. I just wrote this massive long thread that went on basically described our entire relationship from meeting drunk in a bowling alley nice. to <laughs> the present day 
and uh, you know what it was like for my wife waking up on the the day of the referendum how i hassled her to get citizenship she didn't really want to do it but she, she i basically bullied her into it yeah. and uh, now she's really glad i did because this whole settlement scheme is nonsense mm. yeah, yeah half yeah. people applying for it aren't getting true settlement yeah. they're just being told oh just we'll reassess you in two or three years which is obviously very destabilizing quite scary yeah um yeah it's just uh it's thrown people like me's life into chaos and i i've got uh, i've got a friend of mine who who's now a leave supporter um because because uh, i do have i do have friends who are leave supporters and uh, you say now, now you say yeah. now yeah least. no weirdly he's he's uh he so he was a remain supporter who has turned into a leave supporter why just uh because his attitude is just uh, we had the vote let's just get on with it move uh, on with like our respect lives. democracy that kind of thing right um and so he we were having a little bit of a we've always had a quite an argumentative relationship we are mates but we like winding each other up and he was basically trying to call me a liberal elite for being married to a french person what? and and you know being able to go to france and stay with her family he's like, great for, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's actually quite a good bloke in other ways <laughs> yeah look i mugged off his friend on the yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry no but, I'm, but, that's but you don't i was like you mate you don't have to be liberal elite to drunkenly meet a woman in a bowling alley no not like, at all you can be very working class i mean i'm not obviously i went to a boarding school but <laughs> <laughs> you can be very working class and go to a bowling alley and meet a french woman and you can very easily if you have something resembling a job, afford a ferry ticket to go and stay at her parents' house where they then feed you for free all week, which yeah. her parents do. So, you know, our so-called holiday to France yeah. three or four times a year is actually cheaper than living in London because yeah, I'm just sponging yeah. off her family. Yeah. Um, and has he ever given any edge on that kind of argument? Has he ever said, oh, maybe, or they, sorry, like, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I, maybe I haven't considered that perspective or is he kind of... No, because he's as belligerent leave. as I am. So he's just uh, dug right, his heels in. <laughs> You know what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can be a bit stubborn sometimes too. And in terms of uh, the anxiety that your wife feels about everything, has it heightened? Is it still pretty much the same as the day after the election? Is it, Has anything made her feel calmer about things? No, Where is really. she It's just there all the time. It just gnaws away because we had our little life. We felt, we felt like it we were virtually living in the same country you know tra traveling to see we'd, we'd get a hop on the eurostar to calais her dad would pick her up pick us up we'd be at their house quicker than if we'd gone to sheffield you know yeah. no, mm. i used to kind of laugh at the fact i had sh I, the, the fact that we weren't in schengen so i had to show my passport i'd be like oh silly antiquated uk yeah i'm sure <laughs> no. i'll dump this unnecessary bit of proxy eventually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. little did i know what was coming around the corner <laughs> And um, and then in just so many little ways that just annoy you, like the fact that you suddenly realise, oh, if her parents got sick, they wouldn't be able to come and live with us. Yeah. Probably the way things are going, you know. Her brother had just got a job here in London. He teaches at a French school. Uh, and most of the kids there are the sons and daughters of French bankers. And now a lot of them have gone back to France. So the school is looking like it's going to have shed staff. So he might lose his job. So he's yeah. saying he'd go back to France. There's just all, so these, all little these little things just chipping just away at our lives. They don't get into the news as well, but they're having a real impact. Yeah, well, it's not a great headline, is it? All Ed Petrie's brother-in-law might move back to France. Yeah, yeah. No one cares, do they? <laughs> <laughs> but for me and my family, it's just annoying yeah, and irritating care. and yeah. sad. Is the, the main thing is it's just been three years of kind of overwhelming sadness about it all. Mm. Yeah. It's pointless, isn't it? I mean, we agree. <laughs> Perhaps, maybe, obviously. Do you feel like... And I hate, I really hate the whole people didn't know what they were voting for kind of like rubbish. But do you feel like if people close to you who maybe voted to leave, 
had understood the impact it literally would have had on like you and your family and people they obviously like know and love they might have actually gone and campaigned a bit more to stay in or they might have voted a different way yeah I don't know about that but there was when I was funnily enough actually what started off this Twitter rant was this friend of mine I was talking about on Facebook that I have back and forths with Mm. and while I was arguing with him another friend of his chipped in and he was kind of on the side He, he didn't he didn't realise my family situation in the course of this Facebook argument. Eventually, I explained to him my family situation. He was incredibly apologetic and said, oh, my God, I didn't realise it was like that for families like yours. Yeah. And I kind of changed his mind a little bit. And that what, that's actually what made me think, oh, I'll go on Twitter and tell a few more people about this then. Because yeah, it did actually yeah, seem to make yeah. a difference. Mm. He hadn't met families like mine where half of you is British and the other half is an EU citizen. Yeah. What was the general reaction like on Twitter when you kind of went on this like explanatory but legitimate Oh, I just rant? got I just got so many sad stories from really? from people in exactly the same situation, you know. And and Brits abroad as well who feel so forgotten and lost. And, yeah. and and a lot of elderly Brits abroad who again were saying we're not liberal elite, you know. We Yeah. We were in Scotland living in a two up two down and we hated the weather so much. We took everything and bought a tiny little flat down in the south of france and we and we'd meticulously worked out our budget so we could live the rest of our days here and now we feel like our world collapsing around us because if we have to pay for healthcare, we won't be able to afford it and we have to come home but we can't afford a property in the uk and mm-hmm. we're worried we're going to be homeless you know that was a facebook message i got from this 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 woman out in france it was quite a long message i didn't really know what to do with it i couldn't really show it to anyone so yeah. just sitting there a little bit of, another little bit of sadness that no one yeah, knows about yeah, yeah. you know so many stories like this. There's thousands of them. And how much um, trolling did you get? Uh, what was the balance between I people actually, empathizing and sharing their stories versus just abuse? Yeah, I was amazed how much empathy I did get, actually. And I'm getting quite good at spotting trolls on Twitter. You know, when you see uh, Derek Britton, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> yeah. ten, yeah. and you go on his Twitter account <laughs> no, and all no, he does is retweet about Brexit and nothing yeah. else. <laughs> and, and then he, he at replies people 50 times an hour you're like mm, no, yeah. I'm not sure you're a real human being yeah. you're <laughs> a 17 year old in Serbia possibly yeah exactly uh, <laughs> so I spotted a few of those um, generally I was I was amazed by the, the positive response I was getting from people I did uh, I did get a bit cocky and I went on people like Daniel Hannan's Twitter account and started <laughs> trying to wind him up oh you're right, right, <laughs> nice. right so I got a few nasty replies from people in you that. went on the attack I like it yeah well because I've been so quiet about all this stuff and um and, and having worked solidly at the BBC for so many years, you're really supposed to keep your mouth shut. But just recently, I was just like, hang on a minute, why is Gary Lineker allowed to get away with it, away with it? and I'm not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like this is there's a full-on culture war going on right now. And I thought, mm. oh, I'm gonna, I won't be able to live with myself. If I don't stick my head above the parapet because yeah, yeah. this is this is my life, my family, and the life of all my fellow citizens. And I include UK citizens and EU citizens in that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Gary shouldn't be the only one allowed in the Beeb. Yeah, I mean, off. I mean, this is you probably a terrible off. idea that they'll probably never employ me again, especially because I dropped the C bomb earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Cactus Gate, Mark T. Um, so actually, it's actually it's, it's kind of related. We had the deputy leader of the Lib Dem MEPs on our humble little podcast last week, and she was telling us about her neighbours from Madrid. They've moved back because they just no longer felt welcome in the UK which is obviously quite heartbreaking I think even like I don't know her or them but that still makes me feel a bit like you'd hate for your country to become that kind of place but what I'm kind of interested as to what you think maybe like we as a campaign could do or even just as a country could really do to support these people who feel like actually Britain's essentially trying to break up with them 
um, I think explain just explain how complicated the situation is for a lot of these people. Like like you're saying mm. about them being from Madrid, a lot of people don't realise if you're if you want Spanish citizenship or you want to keep your Spanish citizenship, they don't allow dual nationality. So yeah. a lot of people are having to make a choice. A lot of British people in Spain are having to decide, right, am I going to be Spanish for the rest of my life or am I going to go back to the UK? And that's, mm. that's a heartbreaking decision for a lot of people to make because they want to be both. And why can't you be both? Yeah. Especially when you're in a couple where one of you is British and the other one's Spanish. Why do you have to have one nationality? It's kind of mm. ludicrous. So explain those complicated things. And I think also something that we found is that nobody seems to understand how complicated it is to become a UK citizen. You very often get the brush off of, well, well she's so worried about it. how expensive it is to become oh a God. citizen as well. How much is it? Like oh, thousands. It's really expensive, isn't it? Yeah, we reckon, I mean, we lost count because the process takes months, months and months. Um, we had to apply for, permanent. Camille had to apply for permanent residence first. That, was about, that wasn't too expensive. That was about 80 quid, but you had to fill in a huge document with about 100 pages and crazy paperwork and you have to show unbroken employment records for five years and all this stuff and she'd done a phd and hadn't worked three years so that's complicated things anyone who's had children that messes i was literally just about loads. to say that must cause like massive problems oh huge people. problems yeah. if you've been a working mum i mean yeah if, you, if you're a mum and you haven't been working because your husband was earning loads of money and so you looked after the kids then yeah. you're in big trouble because yeah. you haven't got an unbroken employment record and it's very very difficult for you to get uk citizenship um and uh, yeah, and then and then and then, then you got to apply for the citizenship, and by the time you've done all that, you're looking at about one thousand seven hundred quid, and then less, just loads of patronising stuff you have to do as well, like the citizenship test. As you get this massive booklet, you got to learn the difference between the Scottish and the Welsh legal, yeah. no, the Scottish Northern Irish legal systems, and you know all that stuff that we all know as British people, don't we? Yes, yeah, exactly. we know that inside out. <laughs> yeah. the date of Alfred Hitchcock's death, we all remember that one, don't we? You always see these, these is go that like viral. That is a genuine question that yeah. you're supposed to know. What year did Alfred Hitchcock die? And they go like wow. viral on Twitter because every now and then, obviously, someone with like a decent following takes the test or whatever, sees these utterly ridiculous questions. Like there's loads about the royal family and stuff as well, isn't oh, there? And then they just share them that. and they're like, who knows? I never know any of them no. for a start. But it's also, like, you're right, it's just a bit patronising to think that one, we all know that and two, we should know that. Um, and yeah. I, said, I said in my tweet that my wife was in, when she did her citizenship test, she's super clever. She's got a PhD. She passed first time. There was a woman there in tears and she thought she'd failed, but she'd actually, the reason she was crying was she'd passed it, taken her five attempts to pass the test. Wow. Oh, wow. And you've got to pay 50 quid every time. <laughs> they absolutely oh, rinse you. And uh, and at the end of it all, yeah, then, then they send you to a ceremony where you have to salute the flag and all this stuff. And um, and there's no real, the ceremony is an absolute dog's dinner. They kind of make it up as they go along. This woman, mm. they sent us to the wrong, they sent us to Essex by mistake. We had to go, we had to take day off, both of us took a day off work, went to the ceremony. This woman standing up, there's 50 people getting their citizenship, most of them very bored European people who look like they don't want to be there. <laughs> one of the first things she does is she looks at the list of people from the countries because there were some like African people and stuff in one corner. She goes, oh, we've got some people from really random countries today. Uh, nice. <laughs> well, the woman, the woman hosting, hosting the ceremony. Hosting the ceremony, yeah. Oh, my God. What? And then, she had to, and then, and then she'd written her own speech because there's no like proper script to do. So she said, uh, you are, once they'd got their citizenship, she goes, you are now British and you are honoured to be from the same country as the Rolling Stones, the Spice Girls. <laughs> are you being serious? I, I'm being serious. She uh, actually uh, said the Spice Girls. <laughs> Oh my! I mean, and those are the two groups that you want to you want to pull out in terms yeah. of Britishness. That was the main reason my wife wanted to become yeah. British, obviously. Yeah. So she had the same nationality as the Spice Girls. Yeah. 
I don't know what I expect you to say, but it just really wasn't that like, <laughs> at all. <laughs> but I think like looping That's it back bonkers. slightly in terms of giving people the information about like how much it costs and how long it takes and, you know, whether you can do it if you had uninterrupted employment like xyz i think the thing that really gets to me is it should it's literally in my mind the responsibility of the government to do that i, I couldn't care who got elected i just think that's their responsibility yeah. there's absolutely no way post 2016 any conservative government was going to start doing that because they made immigration such a big thing during like the referendum so the fact that they would suddenly then start actually giving the right information is kind of sadly for the birds a little yeah bit. yeah 100 yeah, it's not in their interests uh in any way talk about the difficulties of it. I know, but how sad is that? Yeah. But it's a much, uh, it's a better way of making the impact of Brexit real than talking about these massive figures about hits to the economy. Actually being able to talk about people's lives and the difficulty of just being a citizen and yeah. the duality of citizenship for people and I think, is real. I think maybe, maybe one other thing that is worth mentioning to people is we get it, we got it a lot, was the, oh, you just apply for that settled status thing. And you go, well, it's not, none of that is secured in law mm. at all. Mm. That's just the government's word that everything will be fine. Yeah. And uh, in the current climate, do you, yeah. do you trust the government's <laughs> word on anything? I'm not yeah, sure yeah. I do. Oh my God, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, so you talked earlier about um, the debates that you have had with friends on social media, I guess, in person. And what clearly Brexit has done as part of this culture war has politicised people. What's your take on whether, you know, ultimately that's a good thing, a bad thing, the extent to which your network overall has been politicised or is it just a few randomers? What's well, the impact then? I mean, if we get out of this alive, <laughs> maybe it's been quite a good thing. I don't know. Because as I said, I've been interested in politics from a really early age and I always thought it was really important. And, you know, a lot of my friends didn't mm. and now they do. So who knows? I don't know. Maybe, maybe in 20 years time, we'll all look back and go, wasn't that good? <laughs> but, I mean, it's a pretty grueling lesson to have to go through there, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody? It's definitely a tough way of learning. For a lot of people, yeah. including myself, to a certain extent, like yeah, how yeah, yeah. not only how important politics is, but also how technically kind of everything is. I do remember watching so my neighbour two doors down. I uh, I watched the the election where David Cameron got in for the last time with him, and he's not political at all. Uh, and they did that. Do you remember they, had, they did that big exit poll that came up, and everyone was surprised that the mm. Tories were going to have a majority. Mm. Mm. And I and I was scared about this whole referendum vote right back then. I thought it was a really stupid thing that David Cameron had done to offer that up. You were correct. So this exit poll then. came up on screen. I went, no, no. And he goes, oh, is that bad? I go, yes, yeah. it means they're going to have a referendum about staying in Europe. And he goes, oh. And he was half French. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. His mum's French. Um, but he just didn't care about politics. So, But now, when I bump into him in the street, obviously. Is he super political? Yeah. Uh I wouldn't say he was super political, but he certainly feels like his life's been made inconvenient, you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he's no, more, aware, <laughs> more aware of uh, what's going on in politics than he was back then, unfortunately. And given what's happened to you and to your wife and the anxiety that you feel, how does that make you feel towards people now who are still saying, let's crack on with Brexit in terms of your politicization and the anger and frustration you feel that surely must put attention on those relationships right how do you keep them together um yeah i mean i've got people in my own family who have that attitude mm. right like we go and visit them and what do they say like 
do they just say, oh, you guys have to crack on with it? Well, no one's like no one's stupid enough to say it in front of my wife. So they just say it to me. And then I just oh, think, mate. well, I guess we'll just have to change the subject. Cause <laughs> right. So that's like, that's the only way of getting through. It's just it, we can't talk about it then. Uh, yeah, I find. Yeah. The, the, I just because um, I've had I've had enough arguments in my life with a couple of members of my family to not want to have any more of them. So I mm. just kind of brush it under the carpet and try and move on with life but yeah and, they, and that's another it's just sitting there poisoning everything quietly yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's probably more common than maybe we as society realize the number of families who don't like i mean i literally don't talk to half my family about it but it's just easier and i suspect that is probably more common than like we as a whole realize if that makes sense so then but how does that make you feel because obviously we advocate for a people's vote how does that make you feel about another referendum given that at the moment you're not talking about Brexit does that make you wary of having another referendum or would you be um, supportive of it oh I'll be supportive definitely be supportive of that yeah I mean but then it's getting to the point where I'm supportive of anything like when the vote happened I remember thinking to myself oh well I guess we're just going to have to do this horrible compromise that I think is rubbish because obviously half the country wants to stay in the EU half want to leave and then of the people who of the 52 percent who want to leave they don't really agree on anything and half of them probably think we ought to stay in the single market and so I guess yeah. we have some dude some kind of horrible fudge where yeah. 75% of the nation ends up kind of thinking it's fine. So I was prepared to make a compromise right back then. Mm. But, and then Theresa May went ahead and steamed on with this like hard Brexit that only 25% of the country actually wanted. Mm. Um, so I would have, there's, there's several options I would settle for at this point. I'm just, please, please put a stop to this madness. <laughs> yeah. 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 I definitely get that one. Um, I feel like this is a bit of an unfair question given the current week that we're in in British politics. But we usually end by asking our guests to make predictions. Um, I appreciate that's quite impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. <laughs> I appreciate that's impossible so on like a normal week. But and I guess it's fair to say we're recording this on Tuesday and already today one MP has left the Conservative Party and joined the Lib Dems. That so was exciting, wasn't it? I saw I that. It was dramatic, yeah. <laughs> Um, man walks across it's, it's yeah. so funny isn't it just a man walks across the floor oh, like, oh. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I liked if you go back and watch it watching all the Labour MPs their jaws are on the floor <laughs> and you could just see some of them are like I did not know that was coming but yeah so if you were to make a prediction end of this week end of this month end of the year what do you think what do you think oh, oh I don't know I'm so nervous about it all I get mm. when these votes come around they seem so important at the, at the time and I get so nervous and it's like watching the football and then about a week or two later, I can't remember. Which vote was what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 same. Don't a bit worry. like watching yeah. the football, actually. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, God knows what's going to happen. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of deep. So I'm a pessimist, but deep, deep, deep down, I'm actually an optimist, which is why I think I got so flawed by the referendum, because deep, deep down, I thought everything would be it's all gonna right. It's going to be okay. Yeah. 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 So on the surface, I was going to be, oh, I'm really worried about it. But so I think... I think deep, deep down, I still have this feeling that it, it'll be all right, probably, no? to some degree. But by that, I mean just a no-deal Brexit not happening. I mean, it just seems such a crazy thing for a country to do, to shoot itself in the face like that. Do you think That's... Brexit will still happen, though, even if it's not a no-deal? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a question. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the most sensible thing to do would be revoke and just stay in, doesn't it? But that just seems such a huge mountain to climb at the moment. I don't know how you convince... When you can't even convince people necessary to have a referendum, how do you get them to revoke? 
I don't know. Oh, I find it also depressing. Yeah, that's the spectre of Oak is nowhere near happening, sadly. But that's the easiest thing though, isn't it? One tiny little vote and then we could all just, just go back to skipping about in in wheat fields like we used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were housing days, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and on back that to note. the good old days, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's pray for wheat skipping days again thank you very much for coming on our yeah thank you so much for coming it was on. great well thank you for having me i was very surprised to be asked no of course it's really important now mm. uh, you, are important. you are important <laughs> i'm gonna go in parliament square now and shout at people yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing thank you so much it's thank you to meet you as well as usual, thank you so much for listening to our little podcast. It's extremely strange, actually, to think quite how different UK politics is to when we started, mm. or even actually how different it was to last week. Yeah, uh, please do share the link and keep in touch with us on social media and give us nice five-star ratings on <laughs> iTunes and other places. <laughs> that sounds so beggy, but we need all the help I'm we begging. can get. <laughs> Good to know Jason's begging, so we'll see everyone next week. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.